Amen. Thank you, choir and orchestra. Thank you, Jeff. We're going to be talking about that kingdom today in Revelations chapter 20. So you can go ahead and open your Bibles there. Revelation chapter 20. Wow, what a powerful song to kind of lead us in what we're going to talk about, the millennial kingdom that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back to set up. Thank you again for being here. I appreciate all of you being here today. I want to say thank you to our contemporary service. They're joining us now uh, by simulcast. I want to say a word to them, and I want to say a word to our church. Uh, We're going to be launching a church plant in the Elkmont area. We were approved this past week. The uh, school board there in uh, the, the Limestone County School Board approved for us to go to Elkmont High School. There's still some things we got to work out there, but we're going to be launching Alan Ostrisky, our youth pastor, and some of those are going to be going up there in the Elkmont area. We're going to launch a church. We're talking about Annie Armstrong Easter offering for North America about planting churches. We've already planted one with Andy John King at Lindsay Lane East, and so we're going to launch another church in the Elkmont High School. We're going to be using that high school as the venue, and sometime in August we'll be launching that church, and Alan Street will be the campus pastor there. So be in prayer for our church. We're going to have to find another youth pastor. So I'm working on that right now. And so uh, we just got word this past week, so we couldn't announce it till we got final word. But there's some things we have to work out with the uh, 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 with principal there, Bill Tribble, and also to the Elkmont High School. So in hopefully in August, sometime in August, we'll be launching Lindsay Lane North. So be in prayer. We've been talking about this, and so be in prayer for this venue and this endeavor as we continue to plant churches the way I believe we're going to reach people for Christ. You know, we build big churches like this, and a lot of people come, but they're no longer coming like they used to to churches, so we got to go out where they are. And so we're planting churches in North America Mission Board with NAM, and so we're planting churches, and we're excited about this endeavor. I know Alan and Rebecca are excited about that, and those will be going there with them, so be in prayer for this. We've been anticipating, praying for this, and it looks like God's continuing the vision here at Lindsay Lane. Amen? It's exciting what God's doing at Lindsay Lane Baptist Church. Thank you, church. Let me just say this before I begin. Let me just say on behalf of uh, your pastor and your staff, this is an awesome church that really knows how to reach people with the, for the kingdom of God. And so we can catch the vision, but you have to help make it happen. And you have. And you continue in the vision. So thank you. We just want to reach people for Christ. You know, Christ is coming back. I'm going to talk about that. I've been talking about it. He's coming back. And so I hope he finds Lindsay Lane faithful in, in obeying and fulfilling the Great Commission. And that is making disciples. I'm teaching tonight at 545 on D Groups making disciples, and reaching people for Christ. So thank you so much. Be in prayer for Alan and Rebecca. This is a big step for them. He's looking forward to the challenge. He's been so excited. I've been having to hold him back. I'm telling you, he's been holding him back. So that's awesome. But be in prayer as we search for a a new student pastor as well. So we'll begin that process. So we've got a lot going on here at Lindsay Lane. So thank you so much for catching that vision. Now, At the end of the seven-year tribulation period, if you're just joining us, we're in a series in Revelation. We're all the way up to chapter 20. We've been talking about the tribulation period, but at the end of the 
seven-year tribulation period. In chapter 19, last week, we talked about there will be rejoicing in heaven. Why? Because Jesus is returning to earth. He's coming back. The second advent. He came the first time in Bethlehem as a babe in a manger. He's coming back as King of kings and Lord of lords. We looked at that. And so he's coming back. What's he going to do? He's coming back with his saints. That'll be us to establish his kingdom right here on earth. He's going to set up his kingdom. It's going to be reigning for a thousand years. And we'll look at that today. But the King of kings and the Lord of lords is establishing the millennial kingdom. 300 years ago, Isaac Watts wrote a song entitled, Joy to the World. We sing it about every Christmas. But he never intended that to be a Christmas song. Did you know that? It wasn't intended to be a Christmas song. It was intended to be Christ's second coming here on earth. It says, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. No more let sin and sorrow grow. He rules the world with truth and grace. And so when Jesus comes back, He's coming back to rule the world. You know, Satan's been the prince of the air, and God's given him a season. But God's going to chain him up, put him in, a, in, in the abyss, in the uh, bottomless pit. And Christ is going to set up the millennial kingdom where he's going to reign for a thousand years right here on earth. And so that's coming, right? And so I'm excited about that. Now, the millennium, the millennium comes from two Latin words, which means the word m- m- mila means thousand, and annum means year. So the thousand-year reign. So John gives us insight to this. Matter of fact, John mentions the millennium six times in verses uh, 1 through 7, the thousand years. He mentions this six different times. And so as we dive into this, I want you to see that. Now, let me share something with you before I began reading this text. There's different theological views about this thousand-year reign or the millennium, right? There's three different views. There are the amillennialists. There is the post-millennialist, and then there's the pre-millennialist. And all three of these are different views. When I was in Bible college, I did my dissertation on these three things. And so I began to study these, these three theological views. And so very quickly, I'll just share you an overview of that. The amillennialist means that there are no, there's no real true millennium. It's only symbolic. It's figurative. There's not going to be a literal kingdom set up by God. It's only figurative. They say that this millennial is the church age. It's us and it's Israel being restored. That's the thousand year reign. There's no millennial kingdom actually set up. And so uh, Augustine presented this along with John. A lot of Calvinists believe this in all millennium. Millennials, because they believe that it's the church age. It's what we're going through now, kind of. And then there's going to be Christ will come back at the end of that. Now, the post-millennial believe that the world's going to get better and better. They believe that the church age is what we're in now, that we're going to have a great revival, and the world's just going to get better and better. And then, after the millennial time, Jesus will come back after the thousand-year reign. And so the world will get better and we'll get the, the, the people will just have revival. And after all of that, the world's just, the church is just really splurging. And after that, the Lord Jesus Christ will come back, uh, in, in the post-millennial. And then the pre-millennialist is what I am and what I believe the most popular view, view, view along with evangelicals is that before Christ, 
comes, he's going to set up his thousand-year reign. As he comes, rather, the second advent, as he comes, he's going to set up the thousand-year reign. And after that, the devil's going to be loose for a thousand years and then become the great white throne judgment for the lost. And we'll all go with him as saints will be with him in heaven. That's a premillennial view. In other words, we talked about it last week. Christ is coming back after the seven-year tribulation. Set up the thousand-year reign, the millennial kingdom. We're going to look at that today. And then after that will be the final battle, the Gog and Magog. We'll look at that today as well. And then will be the great white throne judgment, which we're going to talk about next Sunday. And after that is when the final judgment. And then we'll be with him forever and ever in a place called heaven. And those who are lost will be forever and ever in a place called hell. And so I want to show you that in Scripture today, why I am a pre-millennialist, okay? There's several things that lead up to that. The Old Testament Scripture, just think about this. Many Old Testament Scriptures speak of Christ's kingdom on earth. And I'll show you some of those today. And by the fact, Ezekiel chapter 40 and 41 gives the very measurements of the millennial kingdom. I challenge you to read Ezekiel chapter 40 and Ezekiel chapter 41. It talks about this millennial kingdom he's going to set up on earth. and even gives the measurement of this great city. And by the way, God promised Abraham and all of his descendants that he would restore Israel, the Israel, that seed of Israel. And so during this millennial kingdom time, in this thousand-year reign, God's going to restore Israel. I've been talking to you about that, how God's going to restore the Jewish nation. And then, by the way, you think about this, the Lord's Prayer. What did Jesus pray? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In your outline today, Charles Ryrie said this. He said, he must be triumphed in the same arena where he was seemingly defeated. That would be Jerusalem. His rejection by the rulers of this world was on this earth. His exaltation must also be upon this earth. All right, and so we're going to look at that today. Now open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 20. Number one in your outline, Satan bound. Satan's going to be bound. Amen and amen. Satan's going to be bound for a thousand years. Where do you get that? Right here in Scripture. So let's read verses 1 through 3. Chapter 20. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit, and a great chain was in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and he bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him in two, where did he put him? In the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal on him, so that he should deceive the nations no more. Now watch this, until the thousand years were finished, And after these things, Satan must be released for a little while. Now, Satan's going to be bound for a thousand years. Now, if you remember in chapter 19 of Revelation, in verse number 20, we talked about this last week, the Antichrist, the beast, and the false prophet have already been cast into hell. The the eternal hell. They're the first ones. To be cast into the eternal hell. Now, that what Satan Satan's going to be cast into what? The bottomless pit. It's called the abyss. It's not the same as hell. The abyss, skull, 
soul is not the same as hell. He's cast into this bottomless pit. We saw this in Revelation chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, and also in chapter 17, verse 8. The beast, remember the beast came out of the bottomless pit. No one comes out of hell. No one comes out of hell. The bottomless pit, if you will, of the abyss or skull is like the grave. Uh, there's, there's, there's people there that have waiting the great white throne judgment. Just like there's people that our loved ones are in the grave awaiting the final coming of the Lord Jesus Christ at the end when they are raised and their body meets their spirit in the air and will forever be in an eternal heaven. Right? And so you need to understand that, that the devil is cast into the bottomless pit. He's chained for a thousand years, but he's going to be released. And God has a plan. And so as we look at this, we need to understand that. God's still got one more encounter and one more plan for Satan. And so, but now he's sealed. The Bible tells us he's sealed for a thousand-year period. Here's a truth in your outline. First, Satan was cast out of heaven, Revelations 12, 9. And now he's cast out of the earth. Amen? And so... Jude gives us insight. Satan's going to be cast in the bottomless pit where his angels were. Remember that? Listen to what Jude tells us. Jude 6 says this, And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, this is the third of the angels that were were cast out of heaven with Lucifer. Watch this. They left their own abode. He has reserved, God has reserved in everlasting change under darkness, For the judgment of the great day, they too will be judged. They too will come out of the bottomless pit, along with Satan. We'll see this in a moment. And then Satan and his angels will be cast into the eternal hell. All right? And so you need to understand that for a thousand years. Now, in Isaiah chapter 14, I got some scripture today. I want you to follow with me. I've given in your outline, you got all the scriptures there listed on your outline, so if you don't follow, just underline it, but I want you to go back and look at it. In Isaiah chapter 14, he gives us a preview of Satan being cast out of heaven into skull, the bottomless pit. Now, if you'll look in Isaiah chapter 14 and look in uh, uh, verse number 9, it's a typology here of the king, if you will, fallen in Babylon, in the Babylon city fallen, but it's a typology of Satan himself cast out of heaven. Now, I want you to watch this. You got it on the screen. Isaiah chapter 14 in verse number 9. This is skull. This is the, uh, the bottomless pit, the abyss from beneath is excited about you. To meet you at your coming. It stirs up the dead for you. All the chief ones of the earth. It has raised up from their thrones. All the kings of the nation. Verse 10. They all shall speak and say to you. Have you also become weak as we? Have you become like us? Your pomp is brought down to skull. There the word is. Skull. The abyss. And he and the sound of your string instruments, the maggot is spread under you, and the worms cover you. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning, the day star, if you will? How are you cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation. Matter of fact, that's Jerusalem. Remember the Antichrist? 
The Antichrist set, it up, set up his throne there in Jerusalem for a season. And, and he said, you wanted to set up uh, your throne there in Jerusalem. Now watch verse number 14. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the Most High. Don't miss verse 15. Yet you shall be brought down to skull, if you will, the bottomless pit, the abyss, to the lowest depths of the pit. Verse 16. Those who see you will gaze at you and consider you saying, Is this the man who made the earth tremble? Is this him? He's just like us. He's down here in the bottomless pit with us. That's what they're saying. And so we see that Satan's time is only for a season. And then the final judgment comes. God's going to deal with Satan once and for all. And we'll get to that in verse number 10. All right? So that's, the, that's Satan's bound. Now, number two, I want you to see the saints reign. The saints reign. Oh, this is exciting. I want you to watch verse number four through six. Okay? Let me read it. And I saw thrones, and they who sat on them, you know who that is? That's the apostles. And I'll show you in a moment. I saw the thrones in heaven, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received his mark on their foreheads or their hand. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. And these are those that came out of the tribulation period. They're going to reign with him as well as us, the bride of Christ. We talked about that last Sunday. But the rest of the dead, watch this, the rest of the dead, they did not live again until after, until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. And we'll talk about that. Over such, the second death has no power over those in the first resurrection. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with Him for a thousand years as He sets up the millennial kingdom right in the middle of Mount Zion there in Jerusalem. And so, at last, at last, at last, Christ and His bride, we've been raptured into heaven. We have, we're there now with Him. Alright? In His first resurrection, we have our glorified bodies now. And so we're coming back with Christ to set up this millennial kingdom. We'll be in our glorified bodies, in our glorified state. There'll be others that will join us who came out of the uh, tribulation period in the Old Testament saints. We'll look at that in a moment. And so they'll join us there in the millennial kingdom. And God will set up his, key, his throne and the disciples, if you will, the twelve disciples will set up their thrones there with him in this kingdom and rule and judge the nations. Now, as we look at that, I want you to know something. What will this kingdom be like? Now, you ever think about this? I know you have and I have. We think about what's heaven going to be like? And by the way, I can't wait till we get chapter 21, week after next, and we're going to look into heaven see what it's going to be like, the eternal heaven. But what is this millennial kingdom going to be like? What's it going to be like in this kingdom that, that the Lord Jesus Christ comes back and sets up there in, in, uh, in, on the top, if you will, Mount Zion in Israel, in Jerusalem? 
And before I get to the next part, I want you to see what it's going to be like. And the way you do that, the way you study Scripture... Now, when you're studying Revelation, especially, or any Scripture, and you come to a Scripture, you say, well, I wonder what he's talking about. Then get your Bible out. Get your Bible out and do a cross-reference. And see what that Scripture means and look at other verses that help pertain to that verse of Scripture. And then you're starting to study the Bible, not just one verse of Scripture, and build a theology on one verse of Scripture. Now you're studying the whole Bible. And you're bringing a conclusion to your thought and what this passage of Scripture is really teaching us. So with that in mind, I want to show you kind of what this millennial kingdom is going to be like. It's exciting. It's going to, first of all, it's going to be peace on earth. Right? We don't have peace on earth right now. We do have peace in our heart. But there's not peace on earth. And all these people say, well, we're just going to have peace, kumbaya. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen until Jesus comes back. Now, you have peace in your heart, right? I do too. Now, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 2. You are back in Isaiah chapter 14. I want you to go back to Isaiah chapter 2. I wish I could just do a lot of this, but I want you to see that. Man, it's exciting when you go back and look at the history and look at prophecy. This is the way you study prophecy. Now, Isaiah, 700 years, even before Jesus was born, he prophesied the birth of Christ, but he also prophesied the second coming and the millennial kingdom. Now, look in chapter 2 of Isaiah. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amoz, said, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. He saw this in a vision, if you will, and he's prophesying what's going to happen years to come. And we're seeing it right here in chapter 20 being fulfilled. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house, that's Mount Zion, the mountain of the Lord's house, that's Jerusalem, that's Mount Zion, shall be established on top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills. Notice this, and all the nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and they're going to say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of of, the, of, of God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his path. For out of Zion shall go forth the, the law. The law here means his rule of authority, Christ's authority set up on earth. Now watch this. And the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks or knives. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Now turn over to chapter 11 of Isaiah. And this is the literal millennial kingdom set up on earth, and Isaiah again is prophesying what it's going to look like, what it's going to be like. Now, in, in, in chapter 11 of Isaiah, if you read verses 1 through 3, it talks about the Messiah. It talks about the branch, the root of Jesse. that's going to come out and talks about who it is. It's the Messiah. And then he's going to set up his kingdom. Now, look with me in verse number 6. Here's what it's going to be like. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. Can you imagine that? Wolves and lambs don't get along. Wolves eats lambs, but not in the millennial kingdom. 
The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion and the fatting, fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze together. Their young ones shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole. And the winged child, the infant child, shall put his hand in a snake pit. Isn't that something? They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in that day, he's prophesying what I'm reading in chapter 20. And in that day, there shall be a root of Jesse who shall stand as a banner to the people. For the Gentiles shall seek him and his resting place shall be glorious. Verse 11. It shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time. That's the second advent, if you will, the second coming. To recover the remnant of his people. I've been telling you all along that God's got a plan for the Jews. God's got a plan for the remnant of the Jewish nation. And here it is. It's in this millennial kingdom. Look what Isaiah says in verse number 11. He's going to recover the remnant of his people who are left. That's the 144,000 among the others who are, he's going to call from the four corners of the world. Watch this. From Assyria and Egypt and Pathros and Cush, Cush and Elam and Shinar and Hamath, Hamath and islands of the sea. In other words, from the four corners of the world, he's calling his people back. The Jews, if you will, to come back in this millennial kingdom. And we'll talk more about it just in a moment. But I want you to see that. And we're going to reign with Him. Now, who are the saints that's going to be reigning with the Lord Jesus Christ? Who are the ones in this millennial kingdom who's going to be reigning with the Lord? Number one, the church. In your outline, Christ's disciples will reign with Christ. Verse number four, they're going to sit on those thrones to help judge the nation. What an honor. You see, when they followed Christ and all of them were martyred but John, you think God forgot about that? And by the way, you talk about rewards in heaven and when the judgment seat of Christ, I don't understand all of that. There's going to be rewards in heaven. Here's reward right here. These 12 are sitting on the 12 thrones alongside of Jesus Christ judging the world. You say, well, Pastor, how do you get all of that? Well, let's watch this. Let me give you a verse of Scripture. Uh, Matthew 19, 28. This is Jesus' very words. So Jesus said to his disciples, Surely I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. That's what he said in Matthew. Look what he said in Luke. Luke 22, verse 19 and, uh, 29 and 30. And I bestow upon you a kingdom. What kingdom? The millennial kingdom. One we're talking about. I'm going to bestow upon you this kingdom. Just as my Father bestowed upon me. That you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. And sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. He told them that, and it's coming to pass. 
So who's going to be there in this millennial kingdom? Well, number one, the disciples are going to be there. Number two, the tribulation saints. We're going to be there, the bride of Christ. I talked about that last week. But number two, the tribulation saints who refuse the remark of the beast are there. Verse number four again. I just read it. Look at verse number four. And those who were beheaded, those that did not receive the mark of the beast, they're going to be there. The tribulation saints who died refusing the mark of the beast, those who were beheaded, and those who refused to follow Satan and refused to take the mark of the beast are going to be there. Then number three, number three who's going to be there, the remnant of the nation Israel will finally receive their eternal promise. There's going to be a remnant from the four corners of the world, the Jewish nation, whom God's going to deal with. And God's going to bring into that kingdom, in the millennial kingdom, during this thousand-year reign. He's going to restore them. Just like I read the last part of Isaiah chapter 11, that verse number 11. Now, I want you to turn. This is exciting. By the way, you're doing a Bible study? Here's how you do it. Turn to Zechariah. Turn to Zechariah chapter 8. It's in the the Minor Prophets. Here's another prophet that prophesied about the end times. Now, this is exciting stuff. I want you to turn there if you can, or be on the screen. Zechariah chapter 8. Now, look what this text says. The prophet Zechariah prophesied. Verse number 1. Again, the word of the Lord of hosts came, that the Lord, Lord of hosts says the Lord of hosts. I am zealous for Zion, Israel, or Jerusalem, with great zeal. With great fervor, I am zealous for her. Jealous for her is the word. Wow. Thus saith the Lord, verse number 3. I will return to Zion. Matter of fact, he was there. Remember what happened when he was there? They crucified him. He said, I'm going to come back. I'm coming back to Jerusalem. Here it is. Watch it. I will return to Zion and dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. This is the holy city. Jerusalem shall be called the city of truth, the mountain of the Lord of hosts, and the holy mountain. Thus saith the Lord, verse 4, Old men and old women shall sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each one with his staff in his hand, because of great age. The streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls, playing in the streets, playing with snakes, playing with lions. They won't even bite them. Isn't that awesome? You won't even need a dog. You'll have a lion. My grandson, uh, Lincoln, just infatuated with animals. And he's always said, boy, I, like, I want a pet lion. I want a pet tiger. You can't have those. You will one day. Amen. You'll have your own tiger. Your own elephant. Can I get a witness? Anyway, we won't go there. <laughs> oh, it never gets old, does it? Some of you got it. Anyway, watch this. The streets of the city are full. The, uh, the boys and the little girls playing the street. Verse number 6. Thus saith the Lord of hosts. It is marvelous, wonderful in the eyes of the remnant of this people, the Jews, in this day. Will it also be marvelous in my eyes, says the Lord of hosts. Then the Lord of hosts said, verse 7. Behold, I will save my people. That's the Jews. Amen. I'm going to save my people from the land of the east. You know what he means by that? The rising of the sun. And all the way to the west. The setting of the sun. And everywhere in between, I'm going to call them home. Now watch verse number 8. Here it is. 
I will bring them back. You know why he says bring them back? Because the Jews have been dispersed to the four corners of the world. They've been under persecution forever, it seems. The Holocaust and everything else. They've been persecuted. They've been scattered from their country. Into the four corners of the world. And he said, I'm going to bring them back. I'm bringing my people back. You know why? I made a covenant with Abraham. I made a covenant with Moses. I made a covenant with David. I'm the seed of Christ. And it's all about him. And there he is back in Jerusalem. He's calling all the people back. This is the remnant. All of them's not. Because some of them are lost. They won't believe. But some will. Watch verse 8. I will bring them back and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. The new millennial kingdom. And they shall be my people. And I will be their God in truth and in righteousness. Isn't that awesome? That God has a love for the Jewish nation. That he's going to call them back to him, even though they rebelled against him. They don't believe in Jesus Christ. They don't believe in Messiah as a whole. There are a few of the Messianic Jews do, but as a whole, the nation of Israel has rejected their Messiah. And that's why they've been in such persecution for all these years. But God has such compassion and such love. He says, I'm bringing them back, those who will believe. And so he's bringing them back. Isn't that awesome? Now, in verse 5 and 6, watch this. Verse 5 and 6 in Revelation. Let's look at this. Got to finish up. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. Now, who in the world is he speaking of here? The rest of the dead. Now, remember, the dead in Christ, we're going to die, but we're going to be resurrected because Jesus is the first fruit of the resurrection. As he has risen, we too shall rise in all of those who are in Christ. Now, some are going to come out of the tribulation period. Those who refuse the mark of the beast, they're coming out of that. And then the Old Testament saints. Now, you hold my word. Turn to Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12. I want you to see this. Now, I think it's going to be on the screen. Daniel chapter 12. Look in verse 1 and 2 of Daniel chapter 12. This is very important. At the time Michael shall stand, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people... And there shall be a time of trouble. You know what he means by that? The tribulation. There's coming a time of trouble. The seven-year tribulation period. Such as never was since, uh, since there was a nation. And even to that time. Now watch this. And at a time, and at that time, your people shall be delivered. This is the Old Testament saints. You shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book, the book of life. And many of those who sleep in the dust, who are died in the, in the dust of the earth, shall what? Awake. They're going to rise. Some to everlasting life, but some to ever, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. So some's going to rise to everlasting life, but some's going to rise to everlasting damnation. Now, the key is this. Look with me in verse number 5. The rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Now, what does he mean by this first resurrection? If there's a first resurrection, there must be a second resurrection. Amen? So the first resurrection is all of us. The church has already been resurrected. Those who have come out of the tribulation period who were beheaded. All of those have been resurrected, and all the Old Testament saints who died like Moses and Noah, and all of those, all those Old Testament saints, all of those are together in the first resurrection. That's what he means by this first resurrection. 
And that's what Daniel chapter 12 verse 2 said, that these Old Testament saints will also awake. They will also arise. And so as we look at this first resurrection, it's all the the church, all those saints, and all those Old Testament saints who've been resurrected, they will be in the first resurrection. Now, I want you to watch this. The Bible speaks of two resurrections. So that's the first one. Well, what's the second one? Well, we're going to discuss it next week in detail. It's all of those that are lost. That's the second resurrection. Is all of those who are going to rise out of the graves, out of the sea, wherever they were, they're going to rise in the second resurrection. Now, I want you to see this. Here's a note. The Bible teaches that the first, the saved, are raised to life. That's the first resurrection. Everybody in the grave, everybody that's died, Old Testament saints, us, we're going to rise to newness of life. We're not going to all rise together. We've already, we've been raptured up, right? And then to those in the tribulation, but the Old Testament saints are going to join them in this millennial kingdom to reign with Him in the first resurrection. The second resurrection is the judgment of God on all the lost. It's the great white throne judgment, which we'll discuss next Sunday. Now, the key to understanding this is understanding this. There's two resurrections. Number one, first resurrection, all of those who have been raptured will be with Jesus in the millennial kingdom. After the thousand years will be the second resurrection. So there's two resurrections divided by a thousand years. Do you see that? There's two resurrections. We'll be with him in the millennial kingdom, but the lost will still, and the dead and the lost will still be in the grave. But after the resurrection, I mean, after the millennial kingdom, there will be a second resurrection where he raises all the dead to stand before him in the great white throne judgment. Now, look what Jesus said about that. I like, I like when Jesus says something about it. It really validates it, doesn't it? He said this in, in John 5, 28 and 29. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life. By the way, not because you are good, but those who have obeyed Him and received Christ as your Savior, they will be resurrected to the newness of life. And those who have done evil to the resurrection of damnation, which will happen after the thousand-year reign of the millennial kingdom. Now, verse 6 speaks to this. Look in verse 6. Revelations 20, verse 6. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. That's us. Just explained it. Now, over such, the second death has no power. The second death has no power over the, those who are raised with him, the saved, in the first, resu- first resurrection. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him, there it is, a thousand years. Now, here's the truth in your outline. I want you to think about this because this is so profound to me. I put it in your outline. Those who have experienced only one birth will experience two deaths. But those who have experienced two births will only experience one death. Amen? Doesn't that make sense? It really does. And so, it, it, it's, it's important that you have 
two births. Now, everybody in here had one. We've all been born, right? Have you got another birth in which you have been born again? If you do, you're only going to die once. But if you don't have but one birth, you never received Christ as your Savior, you've never been born again, you're going to die twice. And the second one's not really annihilation death. It's a death in a place called hell. And we'll show you that vividly next Sunday. Verse number 15, or 14 in chapter 20, 20 says this, Death and Hades were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. It's where you'll want to die, but you can't die. It'll be for eternity. Now, in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus gives an example of this. I'll just kind of read it for you, and then I'll move on. I'm going to close with Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. Watch this. Matthew, I'm sorry, Matthew 25. Matthew 25, verse 31. Look what Jesus said. Matthew 25, 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then we will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him, Jesus, and He will separate them one from the other as a sheep divides His sheep from the goats. And He will set the sheep, the saved, on His right hand, but the goats He'll put on His left. And then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father. Inherit this kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And he goes on and says, I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. On and on. And then verse number 41. Then he will say to those on the left, the goats, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, you didn't feed me, you didn't do the things of Christ. And then look in verse 46 of Matthew 25. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. So Jesus is going to separate, only He knows the lost from the saved, but one day He's going to separate them out in that, in that millennial kingdom. At the end of the millennial kingdom, and then He's going to set up the great white throne judgment to judge the lost and we'll be forever with Him in heaven. Number three. Number three. Satan's defeat. Very quickly. Seven through ten. But when the thousand years have expired, Satan's going to be released from his prison. Right? From the abyss. From the bottomless pit. He's brought out of the bottomless pit. Watch this. And he will go out to deceive the nations who are in the four corners of the earth. Gog and Magog. Now, Gog is the king of Magog. Now, I don't have time to really dissect this in my time, but you need to read Ezekiel chapter 38. Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39 talks about this battle between Gog, who's the king of Magog, and those who come from the east, Rosh, and others who are coming. Some theologians, uh, some prophets say this is Russia, pertains to Russia, and things like that. You need to read it on your own. But I challenge you to read Ezekiel chapter 38. In verse 39, it talks about Gog and Magog. He's going to gather them together to battle. It's going to be one last battle whose number is as the sand of the seas. Those went, they went on, they went up on the breadth of the earth and they surrounded the millennial kingdom, the camp of the saints and the beloved city, and fire came down. From, from God out of heaven and devoured them. Just like Jesus at the Battle of Armageddon, remember that at the end of tribulation? He just spoke it, killed them all. 
God's going to send fire down on them at the end of the millennial kingdom. And so Satan and all his people. Now watch what happens to Satan in verse number 10. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. This is eternal hell. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever and ever. They won't die. Just tormented forever in a place called hell with those who will be through the great white throne judgment. And we'll talk about that next week. But I want to share that with you because I want you to see what happens to Satan. His fight, Satan's defeat. He's finally a defeated foe. Now you need to understand something that's happening in this millennial kingdom. You and I as saints, we've been raptured, we're in our glorified body, but there's many there that are not in their glorified body. Those who come out of the tribulation period, those who've been beheaded, and some of them, they're not in their glorified state. So in the millennial thousand-year reign, there's going to be children born there, and there's going to be people outside of there from, the, from the, those in the tribulation period when he came back. But think about this. There's going to be people born who can still, will still have that sinful nature. We'll be in our glorified body. We dealt with that once and for all. But there'll be people, even though they're in a perfect environment. Now think about this. There'll be kids born there in the thousand-year period where there'll be people who are born who still rebel against God in a perfect environment where Satan's been leased for a thousand years. It's that sinful nature that we're born with and so what will happen, listen to this, when we have that sinful nature, even though it's in a perfect environment, by the way, here's an example, Adam and Eve. They were, they were, they were in a perfect environment, of course, Satan tempted them, but still people are going to rebel against God, and finally God's going to deal in this battle of Gog and Magog, or uh, Magog, God's going to deal finally once and for all with Satan and all the lost people in the world, and Jesus is going to separate them out, the sheep from the goats, and then comes the great white throne judgment. All of us will be with him, and then we'll go to the eternal heaven. Eternal heaven. Wherever that is, we'll be with him forever and ever and ever and ever. It may be in the millennial kingdom when all the lost are gone in the great white throne judgment, and then hell is set up. And so, Second uh, Peter 3, 7 says this, Heaven and earth are preserved by God and reserved... For fire until the day of judgment, of destruction to ungodly men. There's coming a day of destruction for those in the battle of Gog and Magog and all of those who will stand before God at the great white throne judgment or before the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's in the last part of chapter 20, which we'll deal with next Sunday. Now, here's, here's the invitation today. That's a lot of stuff, isn't it? But you need to go back and study it and read it. I'm telling you, it's so exciting to talk about the millennial kingdom. We're going to reign with him in a perfect environment. But here's the key. Will you be there? Or will you be in this thousand, after the thousand years, will you be raptured up? Or will you be resurrected to stand before the great white throne judgment? Now, here's the key once again. If you've been born twice... You're not going to stand before the great white throne judgment. You want to experience one death, and that's when you die here on earth. But if you've only been born once, what does that mean? You've never been born again. You've never asked Christ to come into your life. You've never asked Jesus to save you from your sins. You've never acknowledged that. You may say a prayer, but have you done it in your heart? 
Are you ashamed of him before men? The Bible says he'll be ashamed of you before the Father. So this is something serious. Can't be ashamed. Just like when you got married. You wasn't ashamed to walk down the aisle and be with your bride. Right? You didn't have to have a shotgun at your head. Some of us. (laughs) But anyway, you walked down there willingly to receive your bride because you loved her. And Jesus says, all who come unto me, I'll give you rest. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed to receive Christ as your Savior. Because your destination and your eternity is dependent on it. That's what's at stake. So you can be born twice and die once. Or be born once and you're going to die twice. You'll stand in what I'm going to talk about next week. The great white throne judgment. You don't have to go. You've got an opportunity right now to ask Christ to be born again. I pray you'll receive this invitation. Father, as we have an invitation... Oh, God, would you stir our hearts today? Lord, there are some here that need to be saved, probably many, that need to be saved. They've never, ever been born again. They may have church membership. They may think they're good enough. They may think a lot of things, but they've never met Jesus. They've never asked Jesus to come into their heart and forgive them of their sins and cleanse them from all unrighteousness. And, Lord, live for you. Change their heart and walk with Jesus. I pray for them to do it right now here today. I pray they would come. Some need to come and be a part of Lindsay Lane. This is a church you've led them to. Lord, they need to serve you here. They need to be involved here at Lindsay Lane. Get on board. Help us reach the nations for Christ. Some may want to come and pray about this. They may want to come and pray for a loved one. They may just want to come and kneel at an altar and pray. We're going to give them time today, Lord. I pray they'll do that. However you stir our heart, whatever you call us to do right now, I pray we would do it. Lord, help us. Give us the strength. Give us the courage to step up and step out. And Lord, I pray that we'd realize that eternity is in the balance. And I pray it in the wonderful name of Jesus. Lord, help us to come, we pray. Amen. Would you stand? If you need to come for any reason, we're here to greet you. We'd love to talk with you. Brother Bradley's here. I'm here. If we can help you, the altar's here if you want to come to that. But please, deal with God right now. As we sing, you come on. Oh,